0: What's going on, it's Joey Thurman, and welcome to season three of the Fad or Future podcast. Yeah, I made it three seasons. What's different about this season? Well, yes, I'm still bringing you the world's top experts in fitness, nutrition, mental health, and more, but I'm also talking about my own personal struggles i get deeper this season because we can all use a little bit of relatability so i hope you stick with me you enjoy this season and thank you for being here and as always you get to decide is it a fad or is it a future because after all we don't want to be fatties f-a-d-d-y hashtag don't be a fatty holistic therapy red light therapy talking therapy fisher-walls device supplements ect tms rtms ketamine meds from the us and overseas vagus nerve stimulation testosterone therapy stimulants and even methamphetamine what am i talking about my guest today is alex wish performance coach high level athlete and someone who struggles with depression just like myself and so many of us around the world today we talk about the future of treatment in mental health. Learn from Alex in the plethora of things that he's done to try to help himself. And what protocols is he doing right now that helps? What supplements help? What did he find helped him? And what did he find did not help them? Sometimes that can help people even more than learning what help people is what not to do. My conversation with Alex gets pretty deep. I talk about my own struggles. My own ketamine therapy treatment which was the first ever episode of the Fat of future podcast and so much more please remember to share this episode if it can help you or anybody else that you love and care for this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart here's my conversation with alex wish what's up it's joey thurman and here's two dudes that are depressed. <laughs> what's well, up? Uh, I'm, I'm with my buddy Alex Wish in front of me. Alex, man, what's up? How's it going? So I I know that intro people are like, what the hell? But um, you know, I, I'm very uh, open about my you know mental struggles, if you will. and I feel like I will always have them, and, and you have tried a plethora of treatments for depression. But before we get into that, I just want to. Um, have you tell your story a little bit about, you know, mental health. And uh, if people are just listening to this, Alex is a, you know, a high level athlete, dude's pretty ripped and you would see him walking on the street and think like, this guy's fine. He's got it made. Doesn't have any sort of, you know, mental health issues whatsoever, but uh, that can be further from the truth, man. Right.
1: Oh, fully agree. Um, Yeah. A little about me. So like I've battled with major depression um, for, about over eight years of my life. Uh, Right now, you know, I'd like to say that I still deal with aspects of depression, but it's definitely uh, a lot more managed um, with all sorts of things from, you know, I do a lot of holistic care, sleep, nutrition, fitness, um, a little bit of everything, medication. um, But my past, basically I was a perfectionist going into college, I had a learning disability, um, some ADHD, and I went to a top notch college was pushing myself to limit, want to get that perfect grade point average, also trying to train uh, for high levels and competitive sailing. And I really hit a breaking point. Um, I think my the first time I was ever put on medication was in college, actually, my doctors saw that I was struggling, struggling a little bit. And so that's when they actually put me on ADHD medication, which wasn't um you know there's a place and a purpose for that but for me with like very perfectionistic attitude it kind of just fueled the fire Mm -hmm. and i kind of became a little more of a hermit where they just kind of like felt like i needed to study and focus on my work as much as humanly possible um but then going into my sophomore year um when i was already feeling burnt out for my freshman year i basically woke up one day september 17th and i felt like my world flipped upside down um started having suicidal thoughts didn't really know what to do. Um, I tried sailing in nationals and I was doing the thing I absolutely loved doing that brought me the most pleasure in life. And I was out there and literally just having thoughts of wanting to end my life. And so at that point knew I needed to go do something, and get better help. Um, went back home to my family there. I worked with a doctor and, you know, no one really knew what I had, what they do a lot of times too, is they'll look at like family history. And so I had some like family members that made it like made of, uh, battled with, bipolar. So they started shooting me for that first, which I wasn't and just kind of complicated the waters a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Did a residential program, eventually got to a struggling point where like nothing was really working at that point. um, And I was a bit isolating, and really just struggling my own thoughts. So I went to the hospital. And from there on for multiple years, um, I dealt with major suicidal depression, I was in the hospital, probably around 14 times, Uh, went through different treatments. Um, You know, I was trying to look for a silver bullet, which later on, I realized there is no silver bullet. It's a little bit of everything that kind of brings you and helps you surface. Um, Along that journey, too, I probably had, you know, I saw so many different doctors. um, And I have my opinions about doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, there's definitely some that are good, some are bad. But literally, from that whole situation, I came out with probably like eight diagnoses. That's like, that's probably an understatement, like everything from like, Major depression, ADHD, borderline personality. Uh, one guy thought I had autism, um, OCD, bipolar, negative symptoms. A guy did an ink block test with me, um, and after the ink block test, when like I was also like on a stimulant and on a medication, so I was like very, I was very focused on details and like the way I said things. And so from his ink block test, he concluded that I had negative symptoms of schizophrenia. So then he wanted to put me on like a really high dose of antipsychotic. But, you know, lo and behold, I kind of like stepped away a lot from all that kind of um, and just found it really worked for myself. Um, during my journey too, I also was on disability. I couldn't work for a while. Um, there was a point where I didn't have a home, didn't have money. And now I, you know, I, I basically worked on my confidence, came out of that hole, performance coach um, that's have done some successful business deals and pretty much flipped the script. So it's a little bit of a summary all in one.
0: <laughs> yeah. That, so I'm talking to a schizophrenic, bipolar, multiple personality, how many other <laughs> diagnoses that you have. Uh, speaking of diagnoses, what, how would you explain depression to somebody if they if they're listening to this right now? Like, I don't know if I have depression and obviously a clinical depression term might be completely different, but in your words, what is depression?
1: Yeah, so this is a, I mean, that's actually a great question you asked. Um, so depression for me is a spectrum. You know, I think some people have an idea of what depression is. And I think from my perspective, like, and, you know, because I've been in the hospital multiple times and it's not just my own journey of, journey of witness, but I've seen a lot of people go through struggles. I've seen a lot of other people's journeys. I've helped them. They've helped me. But depression's on a spectrum where, you know, on one end, um, someone could really have some off days. On another end, I've seen people who are like catatonic, where literally um when i was in one hospital there was a person with severe depression and they were literally unable to talk and they were just doing some movements over and over again Mm -hmm. and they actually got some treatment done in the hospital um ect and they were able to bounce back and completely different person but you know depression um it's a depressed state so you know you're thinking uh projecting the world's really negative um it can be as intense as having suicidal thoughts which i had and some things can be situations that can bring things on, meaning that, you know, there can be life circumstances that can definitely be a catalyst um, that can make you feel depressed. Um, and then sometimes like in some of my situations where I had a major depression, I had suicidal thoughts, like the thoughts were just more spontaneous. Like, like I was like, I'm, well, I'm writing a book and the title I want to call is death by pretzel because I was literally like, and it kind of talks about how sometimes depression doesn't even make sense, but. I was literally, uh, eating a pretzel. I'm like thinking like, how could I kill myself with a pretzel? That's how depressed I was. So, I mean, you know, it's, you know, there's, there's low, there's like motivations off. Libido can be off. Uh, energy's low. You know, you just don't really have a care to get out and really walk around and engage with people. And it's definitely like a, an off baseline from where you normally are. Um, people around you tend to maybe recognize symptoms first. Um, more so than yourself and people around you also recognize symptoms when you're getting better too, more so than yourself. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my overall perspective.
0: So how would somebody know, because obviously we have a lot in the past year and a half or so, our world has had big issues, but how would somebody know if there's just some sort of traumatic event that happens to them? Maybe somebody passes, maybe there's a relationship, the long-term relationship that fails. How can they distinguish between that and being depressed? I mean, there's a depressive state, but you know, is is it a certain period of time where people are like, wow, I, I can't get out of this. It's been months on to end, and just I'm on I'm in a funk. Or is it a case by case basis?
1: Um, I mean, there's like two answers to that. Like one, there's like DSM, right? It's like whatever the like DSM has a criteria they put you under to help treat you. Yeah. You know, and whether that's helpful or not, um, you know, I think it's for me, like what I've seen with some people, it's kind of like a baseline that goes longer than a two week threshold. Mm-hmm. Like something that's really long in that two week into a month that lasts longer. Um, but I also think it's very base by base. You know, it's, and it's, it's also just the normal things that normally bring you joy just don't really bring you joy anymore. Yeah. Well, um,
0: that's good. I, th- I think a lot of, a lot of people, that's, that's the one thing that I commonly hear is that, you know, be happy and sometimes you should be able to, kind of just like set apart your different parts of your life and if you go to work or go to work out and just things just you don't want to do anymore and it doesn't seem enjoyable is there anything in, in your life or you you feel like this was this was the catalyst this was a trigger or just all of these little things started coming up because a lot of times people you know they could have their you know I mean, a, a child or parent somebody pass, sure. and then it, it it just they don't ever get out of that for a long time unless they seek help. Is there anything in your life that kind of you're like, oh, this is what where it started?
1: Yeah, I mean that that's a great question too. Um, for me, you know, I I think a lot of this came from the perfectionism. Mm-hmm. I think I think the perfectionism, like I've always been a very intense person, and I took that to an extreme where I sacrificed socializing, community, different things to like have this thing that I wanted to achieve that doesn't really exist. Mm-hmm. And like for me it wasn't school it was like a 4.0 GPA. Um I so it was a combination of that um I think my family you know were more likely predisposed with depression mm-hmm. and then also I did have growing up seasonal depression like I never like looked back I never took any medication but I look back and I'm like oh in the winter it's like I tend to put on more weight or it's a little more lower. Um, but there's a concept cool that's called the diathesis stress model which is like everyone has a different set point and this is just one theory out there but people have different set points so if you have like a hereditary like predisposition to have depression that set point might be a little lower and it just takes a bunch of events to kind of hit that set point that then causes your chemistry in your brain to go a little out of whack which might take you longer to kind of get back um on whereas like other people that set points a lot higher it might take something like going off to war or something a lot more traumatic in one's life or the loss you know of a of, uh, a child or a loved one to kind of hit that set point. But for me, I think it was not particularly one thing, but just a combination of different things that I was ignoring for a point. It just kind of hit me hard.
0: Yeah. I think you hit it on the head right there. Uh, ignoring a bunch of little things. People like don't sweat the small stuff, but the thing is a hundred small things yeah. can equal a lot. And eventually you just blow up about I don't know, somebody leaving the toilet seat up or whatever the hell it is. Right. And and it's, it's not about the toilet seat. It's not about the argument. It's not, it's about these other hundred things that you didn't, you know, talk about in your life, like letting some things go. Sure. But there's all these things that you, you never talk about it because me growing up, I mean, I I was the stereotypical, Hey, you're a guy, you don't necessarily, um, you know, suck it up, you fall down, you wipe, you wipe it off, you don't cry type of thing. But I grew up with two older sisters, and my mom and even the dog was a female. So I actually had them like talking about their feelings a lot more. My dad was in and out, he was um, traveling a lot for work. So he, you know, when he was around, I could talk to him. But, you know, I, I, I at least had the women in my life telling me that it was okay to talk about things. So it was a little bit better when I started when my first time I was diagnosed with depression, I was thirteen years old. My parents were having some issues. And that was kind of like the catalyst there that they were having some issues. I was in a brand new school from Wisconsin to St. Louis. So they're like this compilation of things that I, I, I couldn't handle anymore. And I know my first treatment was Zoloft, where you know, I think it was a pink pill at the time. And they were just, you know, I think Zoloft had just come out. Uh, you know, Pfizer was banking with that. But uh, what was your first? Uh, I know that you were diagnosed with 100 different things. But what was your first <laughs> depression treatment? Do you remember?
1: Um, man, so like, well, when they put me on the ADHD med back in the day, they also put me in other meds. I mean, like, the thing is, that's, you know, there's a fine line between being educated and overly educated. Mm-hmm. Um, and not being educated at all. So like, when I was first put on medication before my depression per se when i was putting adhd drugs like i was on an adhd drug and then i was on an antipsychotic at bedtime for sleep which like had its own number of side effects that like and i had i mean one thing i did battle with when i was in middle school for about a year i battled with anorexia mm-hmm. uh, i was bullied when i was younger and it kind of guts me so you know i've always had a little bit of like particular about my body and what i eat and things like that uh, but then this first doctor put me on these adhd meds put me on and a, uh, and antipsychotic that was like number one for weight gain. Right. So like that also made me then like start obsessing about working out and like, it just, that's lost <laughs> in that situation. It was just, it was not a good situation, but, um, and then I was treated with like lithium originally and some other stuff that because they thought I had bipolar, which didn't go the first antidepressant was really well, butrin. Mm-hmm. So Wellbutrin's like, uh, it's a selective norepinephrine and dopamine reuptake inhibitor. Yeah. Um, which I know is a, lot, a lot, of fancy words out there.
0: I've been on but, Wellbutrin as well. Yeah.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, but they put me on that because maybe I think like, cause it can help with ADHD a little bit. And because of like, uh, the energy motivation piece. Um, uh, but that was, that was the first one I was put on. Yeah. Okay. And how long were you on that? And did it help? Um, see, I mean, like the trick with some of these meds too, it's like, you're not really for my this is my perspective again like mm-hmm. and some of them are different, different treatments to different things and some of them can really be profoundly and specifically help but like sometimes like it's just a matter of like i feel like i was taking pills to treat symptoms mm-hmm. and i wasn't really treating the underlying situation
2: right.
1: um so like yeah well Butrin like you know i had more energy um like some like motivation and my like sleep and wake schedule was better which were things that were helpful but you know i, I still end up in the hospital so like the suicidation and stuff like that didn't really you know, it didn't really do the whole picture. It helped a little bit though.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a lot. People expect a, a pill to, to fix it. And maybe for a little bit, I remember when I was on Wellbutrin it was actually a few years ago, like, yeah, it kind of had like an upper feeling to it. It's like, you know, when you obviously had like three or four shots of espresso um, and, yeah. and then like, you just, you feel good for a couple hours and then it sort of just wanes or maybe you get a headache or whatever, but um, not really addressing everything. And I know you have an entire list that you sent me of all all of these crazy things. And ketamine therapy is something that we share together we both tried if anybody's interested in listening to my experiences go to the first ever podcast um, ketamine therapy at trip balls for depression uh, i mean ketamine therapy ect tms rtms uh meds from the U- u.s overseas vagus nerve stimulation testosterone therapy stimulants like, like one doctor treated you with opiates <laughs> methadone for depression like dude yeah uh, meth and fat, like this is crazy <laughs> let, let, let's let, let's just kind of open up pandora's box
2: here Edge. i
1: know I'm just, somebody's like i was literally well here's the thing too i mean it's i was desperate like i was literally in a place where i was desperate like yeah. there's points like where i was like there's some points where i didn't leave my bedroom from like or wherever i was for like a month or so because like, I, I was having like really severe constant intrusive suicidal thoughts so, like mm. i was getting pretty pretty desperate i mean there was points like even when, when i was on like a stimulant Normally, like I start taking more because I didn't want to feel depressed. I mean, that's not sustainable, and that was a horrible idea, right? But, like, yeah, so like doctors tried, like, man, like, yeah, we could be just we could go through whatever you want, man. Yeah, let, I'm just let, like, let's talk
0: like, about some of the cra- crazier things. So, what was your experience? Uh, let, let's talk, let's talk about ketamine. i since we 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 share that sure. commonality there, what'd you do with ketamine?
1: So, I was prescribed in a couple different forms, like, I've been prescribed it literally. Um, so my first one was the infusions. So I went into a room, um, had an infusion. They hooked it up to me. and I think I was in there for about an hour going through the infusion. Um, and like, I mean, like the first time I went through it, like I feel a little bit of something They're like, you know, you handle it. I'm like, yeah. So they keep just upping the dose, upping the dose, upping the dose. Until, <laughs> until, you know, you're starting to go Alice in Wonderland and you're looking at the ceiling. It's full and- on.
0: It is full on Alice <laughs> in Wonderland. I mean, that that is like shit's coming in there's dip, there's maybe there's different color like it it is wild like i remember just like thinking that i'm like oh my god i'm gonna be here forever and i like melted into the chair i felt as if i was part of the chair <laughs> it was,
1: yeah, yeah. Keep, keep going so yeah so my, my experience i mean like so they got the dose up where it was like it was hitting me pretty hard i'm like okay i, I think i mean i had no idea for we a good place or not, but i'm like i think about my limit of what i could handle um but i mean so I, I got it done, like, I think two to three times a week. I think I went for like 11 sessions. Yeah. I think that's what I did.
0: Well, you do a um, lot because I think, what's the 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 suicidal clinical depression they recommend? I think it was at least six in two weeks. Yeah. So you you hit you hit that and and then some.
1: Yeah, and they said, like, I mean, I know some people have done it and they've had some pretty profound experiences from like a single session that lasts a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, it takes a few more. Um, a side note, with ketamine, um, I just want to make sure I'm getting this right, but the the aspect how ketamine's used, they're actually so one thing with ketamine is like the onset of how quickly it can help someone with depression is one of the fastest acting antidepressants out there, mm-hmm. um, with antidepressant effects, if it works. Mm-hmm. Um they're developing some other drugs based off of how ketamine actually works. And like things that work similar is like like DXM and cough syrup, like they actually took DX, like the stuff from cough syrup and combined it with antidepressant too. But like, mm-hmm. so like the, sa- the mechanism of ketamine, they're finding like, they're trying to make uh, different type of antidepressants that do a similar type thing to the brain, what they think, what they think actually helps with the depression. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I went, you know, for those sessions, then I had to have someone drive me home afterwards. You know, for me, I wanted these things to help. Like I wanted to believe they helped but you know, everyone's different. Like I, looking back, I don't think it made that profound of experience for me. Like it didn't no. really help me. Um, and that's not to say it could help someone else, but right. from my experience, it wasn't, um, there was no profound, you know, vision afterwards. Um, although when I was going through it, like I did like have this experience where I was looking at the ceiling and I was like imagining, you know, in the movie alien. Uh-huh. Right. So I was imagining my depression being like, the creature's an alien and i was like literally like blasting him with some like crazy bazooka and so like i was like seeing this on the ceiling and somehow i thought that would help me you know battle my depression but besides that you know that's kind of what it was
0: yeah for me i, I did two and there was a few weeks apart and and there was a couple i had some you know they, they call it an ego dissociative drug and you know, I, I felt better and I was able to take a step back. And actually my pain, I had some back pain and stuff. And ketamine is actually sure. very good for pain. They do like localized injections too. So that that did help that a little bit. But I feel as if I needed more sessions to get more out of it. But it did. There was a couple of revelations during that made me just kind of step back and, and look at my Intention in life, so I think from that aspect, yeah, it it was good. But I feel like I I needed more. All right, so ketamine, and you've got a bunch of other things on here that I haven't tried. What's uh, what's one of the other more out there future? I mean, this is fatter future, right? (laughs) Treatments that you've done.
1: uh Well, so you're asking more out of there's there's out there treatments and there's future treatments. Which which are we looking at? (laughs) Let's
0: ones that you've done that that uh. Most people wouldn't have, have, think about trying.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, like, we're, this is where we start getting a more controversial area, which right. is totally fine. Um, so, in the ADHD world, sometimes you can use ADHD drugs to treat depression and symptoms, right? Mm-hmm. So, there is an ADHD drug called desoxin, which is actually 100% methamphetamine. Um, it's not publicized that much. So, are you,
0: are you telling me that there's no meth heads that are depressed? <laughs> <laughs> don't worry I, I won't use that as a clip
1: <laughs> it's fine um but yeah i mean the difference is like so it's a prescription drug it's 100 methamphetamine it's like you know adderall's mixed amphetamines ritalin is um well i mean there's just different type of methylphenidate different type of things yeah. but basically um it's eight milligrams people who actually do the drug on the street they do like one to two gram so this is like eight milligrams so it's okay. a lot a lot smaller a lot right. less hard but I mean, that was one of the crazy ones out there. Um, you know, it's just not, well, it's not talked about a lot just cause of all the bad press media. Yeah. Um, I mean it, I guess I did feel better, but it was all super temporarily and it just didn't feel like myself. Like, I mean, it was very artificial and definitely wasn't sustainable. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of crossed off the list. And then like, you know, I had a doctor treat me with, we tried opiates for my depression. Hmm. Um, which there's, there's a, there is some stuff out there. I mean, that's also super comfort. Like, I mean, there's a lot of issues with that too, because it's very, very addictive. Mm. Um, so I had, I was treated with, we tried like oxycodone to treat my depression. And I mean, I felt less depressed originally, but I also like after two weeks, I was like, okay, like this is going in a bad direction because it was like, I felt like I felt the addictive properties. Um, and then we tried methadone, which I know is used to get people off um opiates but it's itself is an opiate and it's a longer lasting hmm. so we tried that and it just i mean the thing is is like i wanted to feel better but myself i didn't want to feel like altered and a lot of these drugs they just left me feeling like altered like just life was different like i just i didn't feel like i was in my normal body like hmm. like maybe i didn't have suicidal thoughts but i just felt like things were just very different so to me like that wasn't really a solution either.
0: Yeah, so was it kind of like an out of body experience, like you're watching yourself
1: go throughout
0: life, or what did that feel like?
1: It's a good question. Um, I'm trying to think, I mean, there's definitely I've definitely had some of those experiences, out of body experiences, with some things I've taken. I mean, this was more of kind of, I mean, I felt like I was watching just kind of life go by. I mean, I think I was feeling like with opiates per se, like there was a, definitely a little bit like like an apathy, like like things are okay. But like, that's it. But you, you weren't like, didn't really want to do anything. But like, you're kind of just sitting back there, but like things are OK and you're kind of just watching the world go by. Um, it just wasn't. Yeah, wasn't a solution for me, but we tried it.
0: <laughs> You've tried a lot of things, man. Uh, what about red light therapy uh, for your brain?
1: Yeah. So there's a guy over at MGH. Um, I forget the doctor's name, but he had some really successful trials with it wasn't it's basically like really intense red light therapy. I mean, it's, it's based on the line of like, they use the same type of uh, red light or laser for physical therapy to help heal injuries with like athletes. And the idea behind it, so, you know, if we get into a whole other conversation, like what are the different theories for depression? One of the theories is like your mitochondria are underactive, okay? So if we can jack up your mitochondria and those are basically the powerhouses in your brain that help um, your brain get the energy that it needs to do what it needs to do. So with this red light therapy, it was like this kind of like little disc, like this big, um, really powerful device I bought, spent way too much money on it. And you put it on a part of your brain and you leave it there uh, with like a little headband and you leave it there for like 20, 30 minutes. Um, And, you know, he had some successful clinical trials. I mean, where I kind of fall short, and this is on me, is like I tried a lot of different technologies out there, but, doing it consistently like i just had struggles kind of doing it consistently enough to actually notice or feel a difference so i can't say like did it not work like i probably get enough time to work but um there were no side effects
0: yeah and and what about the these things that you know we talked about this a little bit in the pre-interview but technology I mean, now from different watches and rings and all these sort of things where we can quantify stuff and, and what about these different things that uh you know technology based to help with depression or, or whatever um do you feel like they help or just to your point that you just made right there you just didn't give give it enough time
1: well i think with any of these i think if your expectation is to do something and expect it to immediately feel better i mean I don't think that's a realistic expectation with anything in life. If something, you know, I mean, in few situations, I know ketamine can make you feel, you know, not depressed. Again, there's some situations where there's been pre profound, but more or less, if you're looking for an immediate fix, um, you know, that's very far and hard to come by. I mean, just like anything, like an antidepressant, you have to give it like, at least like four to six weeks, even longer to see if it's actually doing something. Yeah. So same with like the technology stuff out there, like, uh, um, the vagus nerve stimulator um, that does it through stimulates the vagus nerve through your ears. You know, those you, you got to give it time. I mean, if you want to see a difference, you got to like commit to it. You got to do it like, you know, five, six days a week or on a daily basis. Give it the time it needs if you want to see a difference. Um, I, you know, I also tried that. I tried the Fisher Wallace. Um, you know, I know people that have had benefits from it. Again, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just my own experience. I do think though that like, and there's other things out there that like use electrodes to stimulate parts of the brain to get synapses firing. You know, I don't know, I've never tried those devices before. I don't really know how well they actually work. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, different things work for different people. Um, I'm always for like, I do like a little bit of some clinical research behind something before I kind of just jump into it a little bit, especially if there's like a money investment behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, <laughs>
0: okay. So, what has and I do want to get into some future things because so they're doing some interesting. Sure. On, but what has helped you? Uh, because you seem like you're relatively with it right now, and you're able to speak openly about this. And and, and what is your protocol for tackling your depression right now?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I, I have a couple of different things I do. So, um, I mean, if we're looking solely at like medication, let's so tackle that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I take a few different medications. I'm very open about this, Um, although I've only told people what I take, but I actually take like, so it's, you know, it's, for me, it's less about like, do you have the title depression? Do you have bipolar, do you have schizophrenia? It's more honestly like what works for you. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, the thing that sucks is trial and error. Um, One direction the industry is going in is trying to figure out how to not make it all trial and error, which is places like the Amon Clinton, where they do like brain scans um, they can test your liver enzymes to find out like what medications actually get better processed in your liver to have a less higher likelihood of working. Yeah. Um but I'm just trying to think for a second. Hey, go go back to the original question.
0: Yeah. Sorry. So what what is helping you? I mean, you obviously yeah, have yeah. your specific protocol. Is is it lifestyle factors? Is it a bunch of different things, medication and supplements? So yeah. What what, what do you do to really just handle your depression?
1: So it is, it is a bunch of things. I mean, I think the medications give me a little bit of a floor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they give me a floor. They don't really elevate my mood many ways, but they give me a floor so I don't bottom out too far. Yep. Um, and I take like actually very small doses, like lower than therapeutic doses of a couple of different meds, but like together they kind of just help me just enough. I look like I look for things in the medication area that help me just enough. And then the rest I want to kind of do on my own um one is because i don't want to have that altered feeling Two, i want to reduce side effects and i'm an athlete and things can cause you to um you know affect my resting heart rate or other things i'm trying to work out so you know minimal there like i get for a base and then outside of that um you know i use fitness a lot um i use it to kind of get me outside enjoy the nature i use it to kind of get endorphins going um i use light box therapy every morning mm-hmm. so it's something I started using for seasonal depression, but now I do it yearly. Um, and so I use like a What's light that? box. Do what?
0: It's, it's a, yeah, I've Got to explain what that is.
1: So light box, it's 10,000 lux. It's a certain brightness. Mm. And literally you want to sit uh, within like a foot away from it. And I'll put it to like side of me. I'll do my computer, read a book or something and do it for like 20 minutes in the morning. And like, so I cut out caffeine for my complete diet. But that like that light box therapy, like is like a cup of coffee. I mean, I feel so awake, alert. It suppresses melatonin, helps my sleep cycle. Um, and so that definitely gives you a big boost in the morning. And in the winters, there's also research to show that this, the sunlight increases serotonin your retina. So like I've noticed like a mood difference from doing that. Yeah. So i am stuck with that. Outside of that, nutrition-wise, um, you know, we were talking about this in a plant, uh, plant-based podcast, but I try to have a lot of different leafy greens, a lot of variety. Um, there's a lot to do with probiotics, prebiotics, you know, gut health. So I try to get my variety of good bacteria, which is, I think, essential. And kind of moving away from that a bit, um, people surrounding myself. Um, I just did a post on my Instagram about this, but like, you know, what really pulls people down, I've seen a lot is when you surround yourself with people that, you know, are either doing behaviors that are counterproductive, or that are really pessimistic, or that are doing activities, things that can pull you down. Like if you're around people that are more inspirational, that are going towards your goals that give you like insight into yourself and how you're behaving and, you know, how you're interacting the world. Like I think those can, I think that can be a huge game changer too. So like community and people. Yeah. So um, I mean,
0: you're so positive people and, and people that you want to, and then, you know, emulate that. That's huge.
1: And then on the uh, other thing I do too, in the winters, um, and this is kind of debatable out there too. Um, so in the winters, when I actually have seasonal depression, I will go for like a couple months. I will do testosterone therapy for a few months in the winters Mm -hmm. um because it actually does help my mood significantly now there's like and my my t levels are on the lower side but i don't like do it where like a bodybuilder does it i do it like just enough to get my levels to like a little higher so in the winters like my libido is good my energy is good i feel like working out i feel like eating well um and i found that to be a good augmentation the winters help me out a little bit and then after a few months, I come off of it. So it doesn't really affect my overall testosterone levels. Right. And, um, a little bit of augmentation. Interesting. So, yeah. Now
0: do you do that with the pellets cream injection?
1: Um, so I tried with the pellets and my body didn't metabolize it properly. Um, so I did it with the, I end up switching just injections,
2: okay.
1: um, like twice a week when I do do it and I do it like, so I wasn't doing it for a while because I was competing a lot of sports where you know because and it's it's actually i think mma is changing now it's for some people that are letting them do trt mm-hmm. because like if they're actually diagnosed with low t yeah. but it's still controversial so when i was competing significantly i would stay completely away from it but now that i'm trying of doing my own fitness feats and stuff um, and the winners you know i use it to help my mood and just right. increases the quality of my life
0: Yeah. And that that makes sense too, especially this is for another podcast, but if if you're measuring everybody's testosterone levels and they're all within a certain range, whether you use something to boost that up for me, I have lower and I have multiple concussions with the shot could be from that. Maybe it was too much weed in college. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I don't really know what it is, but my levels are lower than what they should be if you're average 38 year old man. So at some point, I you know probably get on that on a consistent basis as well. Right now, I, I do peptides, which that peptides help me out, sure, um, tremendously with the healing too. Is 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 great as well. All right, testosterone, so lifestyle, sleep, um, getting the photons in the eyes. Uh, obviously, the the eating is huge. Anything else that oh. you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's some supplements. Um, so there's like I do a couple supplements. I, I so one I swear by is. And when I cut out caffeine for my energy level to have it be really consistent and because I do so much physical activity and stuff, I take COQ10 and PQQ. Mm -hmm. um, And that was recommended to me from a psychiatrist along with the idea of like increasing mitochondrial density. And I would say like after being on it for a few months, like my energy level significantly went up. Mm -hmm. So like, and I take probably like, I'll take around, I think, I think 500 milligrams of coq10. So I take it definitely like a pushed the limit a little higher yep. and then PQQ, I think I take about 80 milligrams. So it's definitely a little higher dose, but like, I found that to be really helpful. Um, I do fish oil and with fish oil, there's some confusion. So like the clinical studies out there show that like around one to two grams, you know, people think one to two grams of fish oil is going to help with your depression, but fish oil is actually made up of EPA and DHA. They're a little different. The, uh, phospholipid bilayer like the phospholipids basically the the fat molecule is a little different and so the studies were actually done with one to two grams of epa and fish oil so like i take my fish oil and make sure it has one to two grams of epa in it Mm -hmm. um i take vitamin d i take about five thousand iu um i take something called a green um oat extract um so there's another type of so this is this is a new one that was brought to my brought to my attention actually it's actually pretty potent it's a green oat extract. And basically there's something called an MAOID. So like a little side note, we'll give you a little bit of science here in your brain, right? So you have cells that you have these neurotransmitters, right. Mm-hmm. That go between cells that creates communication and gets your brain, you know, firing and communicating, um, in between the brain cells, there's little things called MAOIs and they're like little Pac-Man that eat up the little neurotransmitters. So it's, a, so, um, Green oat extracts and MAOIB, so it blocks the little Pac-Man from beating up the dopamine ones, so it increases dopamine in the brain. Mm. But you know, I was kind of questioning it originally, but it's actually uh, a pretty potent one out there for a supplement.
0: Green oat extract. Yeah, yeah. What what is that? What is that from?
1: (laughs) Green oats. I don't. To be honest, I
0: don't know what the hell a green oat is. (laughs) Yeah,
1: there's um. I think it's called. I want to say dopamine. Um, is yeah, wild green oat extract. Um, I want to say it's called dopamine. Is the, the one I take, but yeah, no, it's a little unique out there.
0: Yeah, that's like when you hear oh, used to hear the the, the depression, uh, TV commercials, the MAOI inhibitors. So it's probably it's working on on that same pathway, huh?
1: Yeah, and then there's another good one out there that's um, it can be prescription, and now it's also you can get as a supplement. It's called L methylfolate. So um there's folic acid and then L-methylfolate's the more bio bioavailable form. So directly crosses blood brain barrier. And the idea behind that, like, so basically if antidepressant didn't work, doctors then, I mean, if some doctors know about it, they prescribe L-methylfolate because the idea is that your brain just doesn't have enough neurotransmitters to make it work. And L-methylfolate replenishes neurotransmitters. Mm. Um, so that was really helpful to me too. Um, yeah. So like it was a combination of like supplements, you know, some depression medication and like just really big life changes.
0: Yep. I, I think, you know, the, the life changes and obviously you talk about it open and honest and uh, whether it's talking about the therapist or friends or podcasts, I, I think that is going to help tremendously. What are you excited about for the future uh, of treatment in you know, the mental health therapy in general? Is there anything that really you're just like, wow, I, I can't wait until I can give this a shot or it's, it's more available to people?
1: yeah um well actually there's one quick thing i want to talk to you about just before we switch in that is that okay if I just of course, so there's one <laughs> so you know there's something i went through that like there's a stigma out there and i just want to kind of talk about it for a second so something i went through was um, ect electroconvulsive therapy mm-hmm. um there's a movie called like one flew over one flew over the cuckoo's nest you'll see a lot of shows that take place like in psych wards you'll see people and it looks like they're getting like electrocuted yeah. right um, so electrical balls of is actually a treatment that is still widely used. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can actually be significantly effective. Now it's one where you have to weigh the side effects and the benefits. Um, and again, this is my perspective, my, my opinion from it. Like I've seen people undertake it and go through it who got out of some really, really severe depression. And that was kind of like the only thing that really worked for them. Um, but it's basically, and it's like, this has to go in like different theory of how like what depression is, but like it's either one electrode or two electrodes on your head. Um, you have general anesthesia, so they, they put you out for the session and they stimulate a seizure, so they're stimu- so they actually create a grandma, grandma seizure in your body. And there's a couple you of say areas. a
0: grandma seizure,
1: yeah. Okay, so you actually, so I've had like 44 grandma seizures literally okay. because I had 44 sessions of ECT, um, which is a little mind boggling, wow, but. So, like, the way they think it works is, and, like, the first thing they did it to me, um, you know, there there is, it's one of those things where it can affect your memory. Um, More on the short-term side of things, and it takes time to come back, which can be a little nerve-wracking, but it's one of those things where if someone's, you know, depressed enough and you've gone through a lot of options, it can be really effective. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, that, that was one thing, you know, I went through, and it just has, you know, I don't think people really understand it, but it's still commonly used. Um, treatment and
0: how does that how does that work besides what you see on the movies and they're just shocking the shit out of your brain
1: like how's what what does it actually do for the person yeah Yeah. so there's a couple different theories so i've also had the ability i mean along my journey um, i've always been a learner right and so like i always wanted to learn how different things work what they did to me um which was a positive thing so i talked to some of the top doctors over at mclean hospital uh before the process during the process and one is increases blood flow that was one thought the other thought that's more common now is that it's actually your body's response to the seizure and what your brain releases that creates the antidepressant effect. Mm-hmm. So there's actually like, there's a medication out there called Lamictal um, that's like an anti-seizure medication and it's used to treat also depression and bipolar. And they think it's like, cause that's an anti-seizure medication. So it's like a similar concept. So it's how your body actually fights the seizure and what it actually releases and does is what actually helps improve the depression.
0: Wow. Yeah. Obviously it was helping you if you did say 44 of them.
1: It, it was helping for a period. Um, the side effects at that point were becoming a little too, just too much for me. I mean, like they're a lot better with it now. Like they do a lot of cognitive testing, but my memory got to a point where it got really bad and it just, it, the, 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 uh, Side effects really outweigh the negatives.
0: Okay, and the side effects now are they they better from?
1: You know, yeah, they they went away. They went away with time. It took time, and they definitely went away. I mean, I still because I dealt with depression for a long time. Like, there's some things I just I'm not remember that great, but nothing nothing from the ECT. All right, yeah.
0: cool. What so? What are you excited about in the future? To, I mean, like, what's coming out? Are you like, I just yeah. Like so
1: recent conversation I had with a very well known um uh, psychiatrist over. He worked over in New York. Um, we were talking about a few things, but one of the big things is basically they're working on right now. It's going to come out probably in four years. It's like kind of a timeline, but they're able to take um, what they're working on. Um, they're doing it kind of on a smaller scale is taking someone's like cells and growing uh, brain cells in a Petri dish from that person. And they're able to take then the molecules from a medication mm-hmm. and seeing how that medication interacts with the brain cells and seeing if they get like a favorable response. Now, I don't know what that looks like under a microscope, but the goal there in one of the directions is like, you know, when it comes to medication as, you know, that's one form of treatment, but in that direction, it's like, how can we, because it's so much trial and error, you know, how can we get more precise with giving someone something that's actually has a higher likelihood of, of helping them with their current symptoms? So then they can use more skills and create a better life and create a lot more positivity. That's the way I look at it. Um, but yeah, so they're growing, you know, brain cells in a Petri dish, testing medications on it and seeing if the right things happen.
0: That's nuts. Uh, so so we're looking, we're looking, and I feel like this is the way we're headed with a lot of things, more of that personal optimization, if you will, to really find out what's going on with that specific individual.
1: Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, so we're talking on the medication piece. I think the personalized piece, like, you know, whether it's knowing things in your DNA. Um, like, I think there's a lot of things that need to be taken in mind though. I mean, like, cause it's like, okay, how this reacts in the brain is one thing, but there's also, like I said earlier, testing on like how your liver actually processes medication mm. because depending on your liver, you know, you may need a higher dose or a lower dose, or maybe you weren't on high enough dose because it didn't actually work or so forth and so on. You know, that's kind of one piece of the equation. Yeah. Um, but there's also like, where I'm really hoping things go to is also, you know, I see medication, I don't see it as a solution. I see it as one thing that can help, right? And I do think that in some situations, um, some doctors um, give prescriptions out to patients without the proper tools that they also need. And so people get on these medications, they don't really know you know, what, what it's supposed to do and, and how to help themselves outside of the medication, which is what's really gonna build lasting effects. So my hope is really like the world of psychiatry is that, they start educating some of these doctors a little better to really kind of educate their patients on like, okay, we're taking medication, but like they should be asking them like, okay, let's do a breakdown of your nutrition. Mm -hmm. Like, are you getting fitness? What's it like? And looking more at also a team approach. So getting clinicians, like, like I've like doing the fits and stuff. Like I've talked to psychiatrists. I've asked my patients, like clients I've worked with to be like, can I talk to their therapist, your psychiatrist, whatever. So people are working together. So you're seeing a whole picture of the individual and not just one little place. So that's kind of like where I'm hoping things are kind of keep growing and heading towards.
0: Yeah, that's, that's nice that uh, you're able to look at that way and talk with people's, you know, therapists or psychiatrists. And and I had Dr. Drew Ramsey actually, his book right here, Eat to Beat Depression and Anxiety. And the guy's literally the psychiatrist, and he's talking about what you're eating and lifestyle factors. So if we're able to go through and and pinpoint all of these different things, you're right, because man, like I thought for a long time that taking a pill was going to fix things, but you know, that might've blunted it for a little bit or made me feel slightly better. But until I started talking about it more, working out more making sure my sleep was on point where people are like, Oh, it's always diet and exercise. Like, what about your sleep? Yeah. You really, really forget about that. Uh, Alex, is there anything else that you want? You want people to hear now that you got a little sounding board?
1: Yeah. I mean like some other things too. I think. My journey, um, you know, something I'm trying to do within mental health, like I want to be, you know, an I want to be an activist, really. I, I want to kind of help create more of a change, and how I mean, I've seen ways that certain people are treated in certain situations, or the stigma behind it, or how you know team members work together. Um, I think when you're in a tough situation, it's hard to advocate for yourself, mm-hmm. and what I've seen there is a, that's a bit of a struggling point because, you know, if you're put in a situation where you are the lowest you've been, and you're asked to make some decisions, I think can really be helpful to have, you know, someone that's good advocate for you too, just to kind of recognize that someone that you think that like knows you pretty well, that if you were in a tough situation that you feel like could bring in and kind of help you with a thinking process and make decisions. um, I just think that's like really important. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's something along my journey, I wish I had more of, um, I think would have been really helpful. Um, And then out there, you know, like, I, I think community for me, has been one of the biggest pieces that really helped me and understanding that there really isn't a silver bullet and getting better is hard work like i mean it's fucking hard like you, you gotta work hard you gotta wake up you gotta want to get better and some days you're gonna get knocked down and a lot of days you might get knocked down but if you keep at it and you keep doing the things with nutrition fitness you know if medication is part of your regimen taking that and you keep going and, and you create a purpose in your life that's bigger than yourself you know, you will get better, you will feel better, you may never be things may never be perfect, because perfect is this concept that, you know, it's just a concept that's unattainable, but things can definitely improve.
0: I, I like that, you know, uh, wake up, work out, have some intention, realize that, that things are going to be hard every now and then, because like, we want to hit that easy button and, and life's not easy and, and recognizing that, shit's going to hit the fan every now and then it's going to smell it's going to be messy like that south park episode i don't know if you ever saw where cartman had the poop business where he was yeah, he
2: was, yeah. He was, <laughs> I've,
0: I've never mentioned that on a podcast but that was perfect analogy uh right it. there yeah sometimes you got to clean the shit off the walls man and yeah. I, I appreciate you oh that's a good quote sometimes you got to clean the shit off of the walls but um i appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story and, and being an activist and you know from from one depressed dude that works out from another. Uh, I appreciate you, my friend. Alex Wish, W-I-S-C-H. Where can people find you?
1: Um, you can find me at Wish, W-I-S-C-H, fit, fit.com My Instagram too is Wish, W-I-S-C-H.fit. Um, yeah, and shoot me a DM. If you're going through a struggling moment in your life, you don't know what to do, you have some questions, I'm always here to help out, and I'm always willing to help out anyone. So feel free to reach out.
0: Amazing. Thanks, man. I'm Joey Thurman. This was another episode of the Fad or Future Podcast. Remember, don't be a fatty F-A-D-D-Y. Be a part of the future. Cheers. That was a lot that he's tried. And Alex, I truly appreciate you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Uh, We'll forever be depressive friends, my man. We're linked with our mental health struggles. We all have them. And if we don't face them and ignore them, they will get much worse. So go check out Alex. I truly appreciate it. Uh, once again, thanks for coming on, my friend. And next week, another exciting episode of the Fatter future podcast. So please remember to check me out on Instagram, Facebook, all social media at Joey Thurman Fit fatter future podcast on instagram as well fatterfuture.com remember don't be a fatty f-a-d-d-y be a part of the future please subscribe review the podcast it would really help me out especially on itunes and let your friends know i really want to keep doing this and uh, i need more support and more listeners to keep on going all right take care be well and i will see you next week on the fatter future podcast remember clips are also on my youtube channel go on youtube and type in joey thurman Joey, if you want to class it up
2: take care be well and here's to your health